Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fan's Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan the Fan bats around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the Bat Around. Stan, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you on this Saturday, August the 3rd. Yes, it is the the 3rd. See how certain I was? Got two young men in here with me today. No Craig Heist. Have our uh, executive producer, Ryan McGittigan. How are you, Ryan? I'm doing very well, Stan. How are you? You always seem to be doing well. I'm just a chipper mood. You know, yeah. things things are, calendars turning, school's about to start again, which is a bummer for a few, but... Uh, but not for you. No, nah, I'm excited to see some of my friends, so it's, it's a good time here, All right. here and, in Baltimore. And also with us is Griffin Bass. How yes. are you, Griffin? I'm doing great, Stan. Thank good, you. Good, good. Same feeling? Uh, school getting close? Yeah, yeah, school's getting close. You excited uh, about it? I am, I am, yeah. Now, did you guys know each other at all at Towson? No. no, not not no. before this year. Yeah. We and now you're best buds. Yeah, we are. No, yeah. no, you're not. No, you're not. Do you like each other? I, I like him. I like him better than Craig. Oh, that's God. that's all I can that's, say. That's saying something. <laughs> Craig Heist on assignment. Uh, he has a Mass and Nats gig this morning. The Nats show, uh, which uh, uh, he he loves to do, and it pays a little bit better. Listen, this is what we got on the show today. We got a very interesting show today. Manager Gary Kendall of the Norfolk Tides is going to join us at 1020. Then our friend Bill Latson, who always loves to do the show when Craig Heist is not doing the show. Uh, all kidding aside, they are best friends. Um, but uh, Bill Latson enjoys doing the show minus uh, Craig Heist. At 11.05, our friend Josh Soroka from Section 336. We'll talk to him as he's driving, I believe, his two or three children I have to find out, and his wife, and they are on a about a 12- or 14-hour drive down to Florida because uh, Josh Soroka has uh, uprooted his family for a uh, an advancement in his job. But we're going to talk to him a little bit about how that affects his brother-in-law and brother, Bert and Matt, and Section 336 because I think their intention is to keep doing the show, and they have continued to do the show uh, even though Josh has been down near St. Augustine, Florida. But we'll talk to Josh. He's a good friend, helped us set up our studio here at PressBox, and is always there with technical advice. At 11.35, Steve Sparks, Astros radio analyst, will join us. Steve was a uh, an eight-year veteran in the major leagues, threw mostly knuckleballs, and we'll talk to him. He's a, a Houston Astros radio analyst. We'll talk to him about how Jeff Lunau pulled off the coup of all coups. If you thought the pickup of Justin Verlander two years ago was something, boy, he snuck in and picked up Zach Granke, Aaron Sanchez, and Joe Biagini in two separate trades. Although I, I'm not sure if the Biagini thing and Sanchez were one deal. I think they were one deal. They gave up Derek Fisher uh, and he somehow got back, I think, an, uh, a Blue Jays prospect in the deal. Uh, so we'll see if Derek Fisher can, in fact, turn into a um, leadoff hitting, uh, you know, uh, spark plug uh, for for the Blue Jays. Right now he's not batting leadoff. But uh, we'll see how that uh, trade turns out. But, again, the big trade um, 
for short term is that they picked up Zach Greinke, arguably one of the top eight or – I think we'd all agree he's one of the top eight oh, yeah. or ten starters and still in baseball. And now his rotation includes Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Zach Greinke, and Wade Miley, who somehow yeah. has seemed the two years removed from pitching for the Orioles – that he is uh, fine and dandy, I mean, and um, don't don't count him out. It, no, good for him. His earn run average <laughs> is just over three. He's pitching some very good baseball for the Houston Astros, and it it leads me to the supposition because the Arizona Diamondbacks originally had Wade Miley. He then went to the Boston Red Sox, then he went to Seattle, then he went to Baltimore. So there were four teams with four pretty smart baseball people. Although two of those baseball people were um, Jerry Depoto, both in in uh, Arizona and uh, Seattle, uh, who acquired him or or developed him, but it seems to me that when he got to Milwaukee, a team steeped in analytics, that they somehow figured out to fix him a little bit, yeah. and then Houston has taken it even a step further, and he's had a really solid season for the Houston Astros, whereas the Orioles and those other teams mentioned, you know, you're going back now four, five, eight years ago. Those teams probably weren't very analytically inclined at the time, and I think it speaks to that. You know, what? whatever they're doing in Houston is right. It must be something in the water down there. It sure must be. It sure must be. So anyway, uh, those are the guests today, Gary Kendall, Bill Latson, Josh Soroka, Steve Sparks. Orioles had a... Uh, successful road trip out to the west coast but that road trip is now in the rearview mirror they are merely uh they were five and four on that road trip they went one and two in arizona three and one in la playing the angels and one and one as they split that series with the uh, padres to go five and four they had their first uh winning month was it a winning month in in august or was it a 500 i can't remember but it was the first month in which they had not been uh, under 500 since August of 17. So uh, that's six months last year, three, uh, four months this year. It's 10, 11, 12 months. They had not been, they had not had a month where they were at least 500 or better. Um, And I can't remember if it was 13 and 12 or 12 and 12. So it was, uh, it. it was certainly an improvement. Uh, it moved the Orioles out of last place in the American League and now has put them, if, they are in, or if they're hell-bent on trying to get that number one pick, they have four games in hand, um, or the Tigers are the team that have four games in hand. The Tigers have played four less games than the Orioles. The Orioles have played 109 of their 162, and the Tigers have played 105. These two teams will square off for four games in the middle of September, and those well could decide uh, who the the number one pick uh, is owned by. Uh, We'll see. Right now it looks like the Detroit Tigers have uh, vaunted uh, or vaulted past the Orioles into last place, going backwards, of course. Um, Anyway, uh, the Orioles, though, as I mentioned, this this, uh, road trip is kind of in the rearview mirror right now because the Orioles have come home and had two what I would refer to as listless games against the Toronto Blue Jays. They lost 5-2 to two last night, 
And what was the score the night before? Do you I remember? It was like 11 to 11 two? to 1 yeah, or 11, 11 to, to two. 2. That's right. Mancini yeah. hit the home run. They've been terrible games. They got a bad start from Asher Wojciechowski on Thursday night. They actually got a reasonable start from um, Aaron Brooks last night. He wasn't horrible as they stretch him out. They clearly see something in Brooks that they like, and maybe they can, uh, you know, we're going to use that word a lot with Oriole players. Maybe they feel that they can fix him. Uh, And I'll tell you what, when Billy Bean has somebody, you can't always say, well, but Billy Bean had him, but he let him go. Uh, if this was a guy that Billy Bean liked at once, he he does catch your eye a little bit. He does. He's not. He's not Dan Straley bad, uh, yeah. but he's he's not real good either. Uh, and I apologize, folks. I left my laptop home. I don't know. I was. I don't know what I was thinking this morning when I walked out with just my briefcase, but uh, did not bring my laptop. So I can't like and share the show which is being broadcast in live casino hotel studios, as it is every Saturday. Uh, We are here 10 to 12 in the live casino hotel studios. Uh, But uh, you can like it and share it nonetheless. It helps us build up our CUME audience. And we will also let you know that this show is always sponsored by... Big drummer. our Our friends... At Mobile One. That's right. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Again, the Bataround, like all our shows, is brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Now, this is not a an official break. But I figured while I'm at it, I'll talk a little bit about the Aberdeen Ironbirds. That's right. The Aberdeen Ironbirds, that's the home of Adlai Rutschman. Uh, He is combining. Now, it's not, I want to be clear, we're not guaranteeing you that Adlai Rutschman will play the day or night you go out to see your Aberdeen Ironbirds. But they are home tonight at 7.05, Griffin, I believe. 6.05. 6.05 tonight. And 4.05 tomorrow. Correct. They're playing both of those days against Vermont. The team then goes on the road for three games, I believe. But they're back in Aberdeen next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Uh, And those start times are Thursday, 7.05, Friday, 7.05, and Saturday, 6.05. They will be playing the Staten Island Ball Club. And uh, we urge you to go out and attend and uh, go grab a Adlai Rutschman uh, T-shirt that they're hot off the presses there. Not off to a great start there uh, offensively. Um, and, you know, uh, the thought that he was uh, – the thought that he's the number five prospect in all of baseball, which is, you know, now most uh, services that provide that information are saying that, it's a little gaudy because if he's the number five prospect – that means he could probably, it, quite literally, that means he could come up to the major leagues and wouldn't miss a beat, and he'd hit 275 to 300, yeah. knock in 50 or 20 home runs. I watched him last week uh, on Saturday night. I went out there. Love the kid. Love what he presents and what his package is. But he's not ready for the major leagues right now. 
defensively, he could probably do a job He's, better yeah. than Chance Cisco or better than Pedro Severino. But as far as being a well-rounded, polished product right now, he, he needs some minor league uh, work. And uh, I think he's four for his first 24 at Aberdeen. So um, nothing to be upset about, nothing to be despondent about or worried about. Uh, this guy is the real deal. But um, go out and see him yourself. And I'll bet as the couple weeks, you know, there's not that much time left there at Aberdeen. But I think the notion that they're going to send him to Delmarva in 10 days or two weeks um, uh, maybe we pump our brakes on that, let them finish out this season at Aberdeen, and then decide. I think the, the, uh, the idea and the game plan is to then have him go to the Arizona Fall League uh, before resting and getting ready for the 2020 season, where I would think that he would probably start next season at Delmarva. Uh, that's where I'm going to guess with the possibility of a fairly quick jump up by June, uh, mid-June-ish to Frederick. Uh, that's that's kind of the speed that I see. And then if he finishes up Frederick very good in 2020, uh, you could see him immediately taking the step to double-A. And once you're at double-A and if you're performing well at double-A, it doesn't take a genius to know that he possibly could make the jump all the way to the major leagues in 2021 or start the season at Norfolk in 2021 and maybe be ready by second half of the season that year. Uh, we'll see. I don't mean to rush the plan or speak what the plan is. That's my gut feeling on the timetable. I don't see another promotion for him. Um, he went from Gulf Coast where he was essentially – in Sarasota in the Gulf Coast League to get back his baseball chops, uh, to get back into game shape with the notion that they were going to immediately sort of send him up to Aberdeen. It's a place that's close by. They can keep an eye on him. Uh, if his parents aren't keeping an eye on him, I saw his mom and dad there last week. But he's not the only player to see. They've got this young kid, Toby Welk, who's doing a terrific job, Kyle Stowers, and there's a couple um, – pitchers from the draft uh, that uh, Connor Gillespie and there was a kid that I watched pitch last week who was really good a big 6'5 hulking I mean a big guy like an Andrew Kashner sized guy um, I think he was one of the kids they drafted from Oklahoma State um, if you could look that up yeah. maybe give me the two kids I'll remember the name I was pretty impressed with him um, last Saturday out there in Aberdeen. But uh, plenty of time for you to get out to Aberdeen and see a game um, and uh, support the Ironbirds. Go to ironbirdsbaseball.com to take a look at the schedule yourself and figure out a game you could want to go to, such as next Friday night, the ninth Star Wars night. Uh, and don't forget, every Friday home game is fireworks night. Uh, at the Aberdeen Ironbirds. All right. Uh, Gary Kendall, due up in just a couple minutes. He's our number one guest. Bill Latson from MLB.com will join us. He wants to talk. Okay. Is that, is that him? No, that was not him. He did pitch, but it's the other guy from Oklahoma State. Okay. He's a screen bean, right? He's 6'5". 
like 190 or 200, this guy, Morgan McSweeney? This guy, he's 6'4", 210. So 210. He's, he's pretty big. Yeah, yeah but the, this, guy was, this guy was probably 6'3", 6'4", but 260 or something like that. Forgot his name. But um, we'll get that name out to you in just a minute. Bill Latson comes on. It is the 40th anniversary uh, actually, is it? Don't tell me. It's uh, yeah. It's the 40th anniversary of the death of uh, Thurman Munson. Thurman Munson died August the second, uh, August second, 1979. I was in Boulder, Colorado, when I heard the news. And uh, as Craig Heist remembered yesterday, uh, is that Gary? As Craig Heist remembered yesterday on the uh, Mid Atlantic Sports Report. Um, the Orioles were the first team to play the Yankees after the death of Thurman Munson. Joining us now is the skipper of the Norfolk Tides, and that is none other than Gary Kendall. Gary, how are you? Yeah, good, Stan. How you doing? I'm doing good, and of course I want to talk uh, Orioles baseball, but I'm wondering where you were when you heard the news 40 years ago yesterday that Thurman Munson had perished in a, an airplane crash. You know what? I was a little kid, and we were we were playing baseball. Um, you know, it was a summer day in in Baltimore, and we were playing uh, some pickup baseball. When I heard the news, and of course, you know, news doesn't travel like it did. You know, uh, like it did. Yeah. Does today? You yep. know, so you didn't really get the information like you would on ESPN or something like that. But uh, it was a sad day. It really was. I remember I was in Boulder, Colorado. I was, uh, in 1979, I was 20, 27 years old. God, I didn't think I was that old at the time, but I was. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, pretty shocking news at the time. Yeah. Uh, Gary. Playing the Orioles, if I, if I say That's exactly that's right. And Bobby Mercer drove in the game. Yeah, Bobby Mercer was his, like, I think his best friend on the team. But a tremendously yeah. respected player. It seems to be a push now uh, that that Thurman should be in the Hall of Fame. I I wouldn't have a problem with that. I I tend to believe that if somebody is robbed either through injury or death, and the the tract of their career looked to be Hall of Fame, people would understand that we put him in the Hall of Fame based on what he did and what he projected to do. We'll never know how it would have ended up. Yeah, I think he was a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I do too. Hey, want to talk? Want to talk? This has been a big difference for you this year because you had been mm-hmm. at Double A as the manager of the Bay Sox for a good while. What's the biggest difference for you in terms of managing at Double A versus now what you're doing managing at Triple A? Well, your roster changes daily. Uh, usually, I mean, I can't recollect a week where we had the same club. Right. Um, and that's not, I'm not saying that as a negative, uh, but it's always a challenge. Uh, it's always a challenge to maybe lose a starter an hour before the game, which has happened frequently this year. And, and then uh, you get that phone call once in a while when um, the score's not good in Baltimore, um, that you have to hold out a couple pitchers that actually are available that night. So there's, there's obstacles. Uh, your roster changes a lot. Um, and then there's also the player that, uh, you know, you, you tend to, I mean, you manage the game and you manage the team, but you also have to do a lot of talking with your players. Uh, players go up, um, players, you know, feel they should be maybe in consideration to go up and they're not. 
and it affects it affects them. Uh, it's a great deal. Uh, it enhances their life by going up uh, as far as not only with salary, with insurance, a lot of things. You know, these kids have families. Uh, a lot of them have children. So it affects a lot of things. So uh, these players, uh, um, they have that desire, and, and sometimes you have to uh, mediate a little bit and just get them to understand and get them to play a team concept, you- uh, which is sometimes, you know, because this is a numbers game and, you know, to get them to try to get a man over and stuff like that where that's an easy 0 for 1 when you look statistically if uh, you're talking about a grounder to second, you know, and to get them to buy into a team concept. You you get to give them some of the best news of their life or you also, the flip side of it, and one player that immediately comes to mind is a guy I know you're pretty fond of as a player, Cedric Mullins. Yeah. You didn't give him the news that he was going to the majors this year. He made it out no. of spring training, but comes back down a terrible stretch of four or five weeks in the major leagues, and it seems like that that may have swallowed him up for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, you know it was a tough, uh, tough for Cedric here. You know when he was sent from the major league club to to our club, uh, there were some things that we were trying to focus on. You know, uh, getting on base, stealing bases. You know, not only just defending and running, um, but uh, having his bat profile a little bit more than you know a lot of pop ups and that type of thing. You know, he was a uh, when I had him in Double A, he was a player that caused a lot of havoc. Yeah, you know, via the bunt, and uh, he was a kind of a slashing type offensive player, and uh, he just didn't have a good couple of months with us. And uh, the decision was made, you know, right around the break to send him to Double A, and we hoped that, you know, that kind of gets him going a little bit, get some confidence, and get back up here and uh, help our major league club down the road. But that's what we're hoping at a Cedric. Vastly different story. You've seen the hard work uh, that D.J. Stewart has put into yeah. getting to the big leagues. He got his opportunity in September under the Duquette regime, cup of coffee, and showed some power. Uh, this year, uh, this organization wanted him to go back down and finish, polish up his development. He ha- uh-huh. he put in the work, put up big numbers at, uh, at Norfolk, comes up up for two weeks and gets hurt and now has to go back down after six weeks on the DL. Your thoughts on DJ? You know, DJ's a grinder. You know, he's a guy that uh, I really liked a lot when he was at Double A, and then I was fortunate enough to get a chance to have him on our roster here for a little while at the start of the season, and he certainly deserved it. He did everything. Uh, looked to take the extra base with steel bases, aggressive balls in the dirt. He's improved as an outfielder. Um, you know, showed some power. There's a lot of things about his game that uh, really strikes a, a major league club and makes him very appealing. And he did all those things, and he certainly warranted going up. And then, you know, he had the injury, and he's been kind of fighting through it. Yep. Um, he's moving around a little better than he did. And, uh, you know, he's back with us right now. He's getting a wisdom teeth <laughs> pulled, so he wasn't in the lineup last <laughs> night. And I don't know that he'll be in the lineup tonight, but uh, – he certainly makes an impact in our lineup, and uh, we, we're hopefully we get him healthy and he can go up and help uh, hey. Brandon and our ball club up there. Hey, tell him that uh, your old friend Stan the Fan mentioned that the old wives' tale, and I'm telling you, when I had my wisdom teeth pulled in about 1976, tea bags in the sockets where they pulled them from, if you put tea bags yeah. in there. It's You're from so- East Baltimore. My mom told me the same thing. Uh, my mom Baltimore. was from East Baltimore. Yeah, she was. <laughs> hey, um, 
one player that kind of benefited from the DJ Stewart injury and also the Dwight Smith injury up here at the big league level was Anthony Santander, uh, yeah. who who I, I thought he was kind of behind the profile of DJ and behind uh, Mountcastle and behind um, Austin Hayes, uh, but he has looked incredibly solid as a major league player right yeah. now. Surprised to you or you, you really. thought you I, saw you it? You know, and I'm, I'm not saying, you know, that it's a slam dunk and yep. I know everything, but it, I always look at a player's tools, and I think when a player shows you these different tools in the minor leagues, I think when you put them around better players, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, certainly the major league level is a much more consistent level than AAA, but I think when you put a player that has these tools and has work habits, that I think they, they, they come on better at the major league level. And Tony was a guy that has a lot of tools. He brings a lot to the table. He's got some strength. He's got surprisingly good speed. Yes, he does. I think sometimes, you know, you look at the frame and it's, it's kind of a muscular, you know, type mm-hmm. frame and, and you kind of don't really realize he, he can pick him up and put him down and he's got some power from both sides of the plate. And what has surprised me, because we really never went there um, in the minor leagues with him in center field. Yep. But um, it has been his uh, jumps and breaks and how he's closed on balls in center field. And um, said that's, that's, that's really refreshing, and he's done a nice job. So let me ask you a question. I started out by asking you the biggest difference between managing a double-A and managing yeah. a triple-A. And we're, by the way, we're talking with manager Gary Kendall, who's managing the Norfolk Tides this year after several seasons with the Bay Sox at double-A. What's the biggest difference between managing for Dan, a Dan Duquette-led organization and a Mike Elias organization? Is it, the, is it the desire to have people finish off their development? Is it the desire to work more with some analytical information? What would you say to that? Well, I, th- I think as, you know, with, with Dan, and who I've known Dan for quite a while, I think we were heading in that direction. Yeah. I don't know if it would have been as aggressive, mm-hmm. uh, just in my opinion, as it has been. And um, because we're, we're really getting up to speed um, just with what we're doing offensively, what we're doing defensively. And so I think there's been a little bit more aggressive to trying to play catch up to get not only up to the, what the major league standards are when it comes to that, but maybe to even get further advanced. Um, so I think that's been probably the biggest thing, but I, I know that Dan, I mean, we had a, a much smaller version of the analytics department. Sure. We, and there was talk of it, and it was you know we talked about shifting and things like that with our defense. And but um, it's really gone on um, at a much more rapid rate, and which is a good thing, you yeah. know. And you know, it's everything's a tool. Uh, you know, I think there's uh, you know when, how they used it in scouting, how Mike described it, how they used it. Uh, you know, the scouts' knowledge versus you know what the input of the, the analysis was. And I think the same thing goes when, you, when you're managing a baseball team. You use all these resources, and it gives you so much information. And uh, I just – all information is good information, you know? No question about it. Uh, I want to ask you about two offensive players and a couple pitchers, and then we'll let you, we'll let you get to work for the day. Uh, Austin Hayes. Uh-huh. Um, 
injury problems have plagued him these past two seasons. Yeah. I thought once he got behind the injuries or past the injuries, he was going to put up big numbers at AAA. Right now, he's struggling. 231 with just five yeah. homers, 16 ribbies, struck out 34 times to six walks, OPB of 275. Is is he pressing because the clock is running, or is that what he thinks? I don't know what he thinks, but I, I know what it looks like at times. It, you know, he's overswinging, trying to do too much. Yep. Uh, you know, there's some situation he comes up with men on base, and I think, you know, he wants to be that guy to, to, to drive him in. And, and uh, he's putting the work in, and uh, it isn't like he's not trying. Um, there's been games that it looks like, boy, he's ready to snap out of it. Uh, where he's driven balls to the opposite way. And, you know, of course, he runs good and he, he plays a good outfield. And then there's games that, uh, you know, he doesn't uh, repeat good swings, repeat a good approach. So I think it's just been very inconsistent for him. And, and that's what the minor leagues is about. So we're just going to keep at it. And I know Butch Davis has put a lot of time in. And, uh, and hopefully it starts clicking and uh, – he has a strong finish. You've been around this game for a long time, and you know for fans, they can say, oh, that Austin Hayes, always hurt. Have yeah. you seen guys that appear to always be hurt for legitimate reasons, but that somehow they sort of grow out of it? I remember Paul Molitor, when he first got to the big leagues, was hurt two of the first three seasons, and you, mm-hmm. you sort of had that feeling like, ah, he's always hurt, and then he went on to a Hall of Fame career. You know, I don't. I don't really recollect so much. I mean, I've seen guys that have that have chronic uh, hamstring issues mm-hmm. and things like that that kind of hamper them throughout their career. But um, you know, Austin just had really some misfortune. I know Hunter Harvey on our roster has had some misfortune, and hopefully, uh, those things are behind him, and uh, we can we can go on and have healthy big league careers. Uh, one more offensive player, and then a couple pitchers. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle. The numbers to fans and uh, some experts are eye-popping. 19 homers, 314 batting average, 336 OPB. I see 105 strikeouts and 14 walks. Is that a reason to be concerned, or are strikeouts such a part of the game now that that's part and parcel of what you get with a power hitter? You know, we had a talk with Ryan the other day, and, you know, strikeouts are part of the game now, but strikeouts shouldn't be part of his game. Yeah. And that was what we kind of conveyed to him. And it's, and really, it's not so much uh, him striking out because his swing is bad or he's striking out because uh, he doesn't have bat speed to catch up to a good heater. Um, the strikeouts basically are, are a byproduct of pitch selection. Mm-hmm. And I think at times, you know, he's, he's, he's 22 years old. He's hit third in a triple-A lineup. One of the younger players in the league. Yep has not gone through any kind of slump the whole year. I mean, he's might have gone over six, mm-hmm. you know, in the process of two games. But but he's not three for not three for thirty or anything. And, like and that. the fact that I we pointed out to him the other day about it is, you know, he's striking out one out of every four at bats. So what's he do? He's doing a lot of damage when he does put the ball in play. So a lot of it is is his pitch selection. You know, uh, uh, trying to get better pitches to hit earlier in the count. Um, because they're pitching tough. He's not seeing too yeah. many fastballs. You know, they're, they're, it's it's a lot of good sliders. It's good pitching in this league. 
some pitching that you know has been up in the big leagues all year. So they have a plan of attack against Ryan, and Ryan just needs to persevere and get better pitches to hit, kind of create some better counts for him to hit, and then I think he'll get starting to get some pitches where he'll get comfortable and be able to center more balls. But as far as how he's swinging the bat for for consistently, I mean, I don't like, I like to beat on a 22-year-old guy who's sitting three, whatever right. it is, three, right. three, 15, 19 homers and 65 RBIs. And I do know strikeouts are big in the game today. And, and in my opinion, it's kind of disgusting how they don't even bat an eye at it. No. They don't even bat an eye at it anymore. No. And, and to me, I growing up as a kid playing sandlap ball, when you struck out, man, he, he, it affected you a little bit. Yeah, and no. I'm not near the hitter these guys are. So I, uh, I'd like to see a little bit more uh, balls put in play. And I think that's something he's trying to do. And, and, uh, the, but it's about player development. It's a process, you know. The first, uh, the first analytics person the Orioles ever had, uh, I think you'll remember him. Do you remember Eddie Epstein? Yes, I do. I worked with him in San Diego after yep. the Orioles. Uh, Eddie, Eddie was the first one 30 years ago beating my head about a ratio like 105 to 14 that that is not, that's not acceptable. In other words, the 105 isn't as bad, but if it was 50 walks – now right. you got a guy who's showing that he's got some plate discipline and understands the strike zone. Right. Uh, we're talking with Gary Kendall. Gary, just a couple more minutes on some pitchers. Mm-hmm. Keegan Aiken looked like, I'd say around June 1st, he was really going to push to get on the big league club this year. He sort mm-hmm. of seems to have plateaued from a distance. Am I right in that? Well, I, you know, Keegan's uh... – He's been pretty consistent for us most of the year. Uh, he hasn't pitched probably as well as of late, even though I was kind of pleased with his start down in Gwinnett the other day. I just think he had a rough fifth where he walked two guys. But uh, his fastball command, um, you know, last year having him in Bowie, one of the things I liked about him was his ability to pitch in and away, up and down with his fastball, very aggressive, had good riding action. Got a lot of outs with his fastball. He buried his secondary pitches. He wouldn't throw them. He wouldn't throw his changeup. He wouldn't throw his slider. This year, uh, it's been kind of a flip side. Uh, his changeup has been a pitch to get a lot of recontact strikeouts with the changeup against a heavy right-handed lineup. Uh, his breaking ball has got some pretty good finish and bite to it. And his fastball command hasn't been quite as good. And... Uh, with the, sometimes an occasional walk, more walks than he had last year. And uh, deep counts, finishing hitters, and that's kind of what drives him out of ball games in the fifth and sixth innings has been his walks. I mean, his, his amount of pitches, yep. which sometimes create walks. But uh, that's something that he needs to improve on, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with the fact that he's not in the big leagues. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I think is good here is when you know, when Keegan Aiken is ready and Mountcastle is ready, hopefully they go there and they stay there. Yeah. Um, you know, because they are prospects and you don't like to see them. These guys go up and down and, you know, uh, on roster decisions. So uh, there's things he needs to work on. He knows that. and, and But uh, he's putting in his time. I know how closely you watch the the overall organization. You you know about the group of pitchers that are at Bowie. Surprisingly, all of a sudden, one of them, broke free to come up to you at yeah. the AAA level. Bruce Zimmerman, who I think the club picked up in the Atlanta trade, yeah. I think it was, 
Uh, what do you see out of him? Because he was sensational at Bowie, and he got clobbered his first time, a little better the second time? Yeah, you know, it, and I don't want to make excuses for the guy, but there's a guy that, uh, you know, like you said, he pitched for a little bit with us last year at Bowie. He started this year, and Bowie had a really good, really good uh, season for them. And then uh, he comes up to us, and, and he makes one start. And I really attribute a lot of that to the baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's played catch with a major league ball before, uh, but when you're out there pitching, not throwing a bullpen, but when you're uh-huh. pitching, and you got sweat coming down your arms, and and he just lost kind of feeling for his secondary pitches, and and Bruce Zimmerman without his breaking balls and his changeups uh, is in trouble, and uh, that's kind of what alienated him the other day, and last night. A uh, nice sixth inning outing. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I definitely see improvement. I see a guy that's got tremendous pitch ability. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got two different kind of breaking balls. Both of them were effective last night versus lefties. Uh, he's got really good feel for a changeup. He pitches. He kind of reminds me of a Mike Flanagan, Scotty McGregor combination. You know, with the mm-hmm. stack, he kind of reminds me of a young that's, Mike Flanagan. That's, and then, a, pretty, that's you know, a pretty good field, combination, yeah. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Scotty McGregor, and boy, if he could be a blend of those, we got something. And, and but he's got real good feel to pitch. He's a hard worker. He studies. He reads swings. Um, I just been impressed with Bruce since he came here in that trade. Uh, he's a, he's a nice guy to play behind. He really is because he works good. He works quick. Um, he's a strike thrower. Had a couple walks last night, but uh, you know he's. He's, he's a quality left-hander. The organization has has uh, done something very interesting with two pitchers in particular, and I want to suggest the possibility, and, and maybe you'll tell me with the third pitcher that you are doing that with him. I go way back. Uh, you know, I've been doing talk radio in Baltimore and following the Orioles for a long time. I go back to when Arthur Rhodes was a tremendous starting yeah. pitching prospect and I watched him start games, and I got into arguments with Kevin Malone that this is a relief pitcher. You know, that uh-huh. there's no disgrace in a guy being a great relief pitcher in the sixth and sure. seventh innings. Uh, it seems of late they've done that approach with Hunter Harvey, and they've done that approach with Dylan Tate. And have you done that same approach with a guy who I think would make an excellent sort of middle inning guy or, or leverage guy? Getting the ball to the closer in David Hess is there? Uh, how do you decide whether a guy is purely a starter or whether his stuff might and his mindset might play better as a reliever? Well, sometimes it is stuff. You know, when you when you see a guy that may not have starter type material, where you don't think um, can get you, you know, multiple innings or a second time through the lineup, and then also you look at a guy that. That's fastball might play a pick up, mm-hmm. and I think that's what they're finding out. I mean, not so much in Hunter Harvey because there's a guy that's blessed with a great fastball. But uh, when you look at a David Hess, and when you look at a Dylan Tate, I think Dylan last year was low low mid nineties tops. Yep. As a starter, and I think sometimes you know when you're coming out of the bullpen, and you know that you might only have a a two inning outing or a one inning outing or whatever that situation may be, you might be able to rear back and 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 uh and give it a little bit more velocity and uh so sometimes you know when you look at that type of guy david hess is that type of guy i think that can give you a little bit more uh in in short spurts instead of spreading it out so 
I think when you look at you look at maybe the, the what the guy brings to the table, maybe what kind of effort he has in his delivery, uh, which is a lot. You know, I mean, you certainly you don't see guys that that are starters that uh, have tremendous amount of effort in their yeah. delivery. You know, there's more rhythm and, and easiness to the delivery. Hey, we appreciate the time. Uh, we know you got more important things to do, uh, but uh, the fans I know up here are fascinated by this rebuild and, and how it's progressing, and uh, we thank you for sharing your thoughts. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Uh, we'll talk soon. Gary Kendall. All right, All right. Gary Kendall, manager of the Norfolk Tides. Up next will be Bill Latson in a couple minutes. We'll remind you that we're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios, which is what we do each and every Saturday uh, from 10 to 12. Uh, we will uh, be here, and we want to remind you of a couple great events coming up to the event center uh, at the Live Casino Hotel. Dwight Yoakam is coming up August 17th with Sugar Cane Jane. Tickets start at just $45 and include $10 in free slots play. Also coming to the Live Event Center in the coming months are Norm McDonald, Grand Funk Railroad, Rescheduled, Boz Skaggs, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, and Gladys Knight. Get your tickets at livecasinohotel.com. And, you know, uh, Ross Grimsley likes to talk about how he knows some special things about pitchers, but both of us agree that we have uh, – some special information to give you about the Costas Inn. Located at 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn is known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes, but get a load of these nightly specials. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night is steak night. Thursday night is lobster night. Friday, Pete and Nick have a variety of special dinners that will whet your appetite and won't hurt your wallet too badly. Take it from me, Stan the Fan. I know a little something about special, and the Costas Inn is one hell of a special place. Join the flock as the Chesapeake Bayhawks face off against the New York Lizards for Superpowers Night on Saturday, August 3rd at 7 p.m. at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Arrive at 4.30 p.m. to attend the Lexus Tailgate Zone featuring games, live music, and complimentary Bud Light for ticket holders 21 and up. Tickets are available and start at $15. To purchase, visit thebayhawks.com tickets or call the Chesapeake Bayhawks ticket office at 866-99-HAWKS. Go Bayhawks! Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms' world-famous chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms' chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill is at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps away from Camden Yards. It's the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients, take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Sliders, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Sliders' daily specials or 
or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. Visit them today. Hey, Birdland, it's time to turn back the clocks for an Orioles tickets flash sale. Join the O's in celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 89 Why Not season with special throwback ticket pricing. Beginning on August 1st, select Terrace Box and Upper Reserve tickets for the August 9th through 11th games against the Astros will be available at $19.89 prices, starting at $6.50. Plus, the weekend series offers loads of giveaways and fun. But hurry, this flash sale is for three days only. Be part of it all. Orioles.com. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasInn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down, introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime. A fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hand-spun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, copper limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at Our Chick-fil-A, Nottingham Square. Plus, if you order using your app, your food will be ready when you get there. Stop by Chick-fil-A in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center at 5198 Campbell Boulevard and tell Steve we sent you. This is former Trope AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Hosea from the bottom of our son in Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we're back, and we'll remind you that we're in the live casino hotel studios as we are each and every Saturday from 10 to 12 with the bat around. No Craig Heist this week. Uh, he is doing the Nats show on Masson Sports. Um, we'll also tell you that you can join the Chesapeake Bayhawks in Annapolis tonight, August 3rd at 7 p.m. as they take on the New York Lizards. Arrive by 4.30 to attend the Lexus Tailgate Zone. Tickets start at $15. To purchase, visit thebayhawks.com slash tickets or call the ticket office at 866-99-HAWKS-GO-BAYHAWKS. And, of course, they had the um, MLL All-Star Game. They had nearly 7,000 people last Saturday in what was one of the most amazing uh, nights for sports uh, in recent vintage around here. You had the... Ravens have their big first stadium practice at M&T Bank Stadium with the fireworks show after it. You had 14,000 people at the um, Royal Farms Arena for the uh, Gervonta Davis fight, a, a belt 
fighting for his uh, lightweight belt. You had this MLL All-Star game, and then on top of that, out in Aberdeen, you had the uh, debut in uh, Maryland of Adlai Rutschman uh, before paying the way I like to say it was his debut, Griffin, in front of paying fans because right, Gulf yeah. Coast League, they don't pay for tickets. Yeah. Now, you track down that name of that pitcher that was big. Yeah, Jake Lyons. Jake Lyons. Yes. And how big was he? He is 6'5", 282. Yeah, he's, he's a big – and he was he Oklahoma State? Yes, he was Oklahoma okay. State. Was yep. McSweeney Oklahoma State he too? Was, he was Wake uh, Forest. Yeah, he was Wake he's Forest. Wake Forest, yep. okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're due to have uh, our man Bill Latson on in just a couple minutes. We're trying to make our connection and not reaching him right now. So we will tell you that in lieu of that, uh, we'll take a look at uh, what's going on in Major League Baseball right now. Of course, the New York Yankees in the American League East are seven and a half games in front of Tampa. And after Tampa swept the Boston Red Sox, the Red Sox have now fallen 11 and a half games behind the Yankees, but more importantly, they've now fallen four games behind Tampa. In the, in the American League Central, Minnesota has a three-game lead over Cleveland, 67 and 42, the Twins to 64 and 45. But importantly, the Indians just acquired two big, big bats in the middle of their lineup, Yasiel Puig and Franmil Reyes. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if this Cleveland team can make up for the loss of Trevor Bauer. Uh, they've been getting great performances by Mike Clevenger back after that lat strain that he had that caused him about eight weeks. Uh, Zach Plezak and Shane Bieber, terrific young pitchers, all three of them. Uh, and um, they're, the word is that they're hoping to get back Corey Kluber and maybe Carlos Carrasco. I'm a little less believable on the Carrasco thing, who was announced tragically, has leukemia, uh, which you can perform through, I guess, but he's, he looked very thin at the All-Star game, and uh, they got to be very careful how they monitor his work and effort. Uh, so I don't know that they'll get Carrasco back, but they may get Corey Kluber back. But it was a risky trade, but I guess that they felt that um, they've got enough pitching to withstand the loss of Trevor Bauer, given the fact that they not only picked up two guys in that deal that helped them immediately right now in Puig and Reyes, but they got ended up out of the three-team deal. They ended up with three prospects. They got a pitcher named Logan Allen and an infielder and another player. Uh, they got everybody else throwing in players. San Diego yeah. only got one player out of the deal, Taylor Trammell. The yeah. Indians got five players out of that deal by putting Bauer in, and the um, and the Reds. I think they only got Bauer, and they may have received one other young player in the deal. But it was an interesting trade. Yeah, it'll yes. be. I I didn't watch the game the other night, but it'll be very interesting to see where Francona bats Puig in he the lineup. He batted Puig fourth. He did, and he okay. batted Reyes I think sixth last night, and Puig went two for four with two RBIs. Uh, and Reyes uh, went 0 for 4, I believe. Now, Lindor's still in those top one, two spots. Yeah, Lindor's right? batting leadoff. Santana's batting, I think Mercado is batting yeah. second, and Santana's batting third. So all of a sudden, their lineup has a different oomph to it. Watch out. Um, watch out is right. And right now, by the way, 
they lead. If the season were stopping today, the Cleveland Indians would be your number one wild card in the American League. Two and a half games in front of Tampa. And now Boston, by losing those three games in a row to Tampa at home in Fenway, they are now six games out of the number one wild card spot and three and a half behind Tampa yeah, Bay. T- Tampa went eight and one in Fenway this year. Sure. So that is that's not pretty good impressive. for the Sox. Now the National League, uh, and by the way, Houston is leading the West with a seventy-one and forty record. Oakland sixty-two and forty-eight. Texas fifty-five and fifty-four. L.A. 56 and 55, Seattle 47 and 65. The American League uh, wild card, as we just gave you, is a three-team horse race between Cleveland, Tampa, and Boston. In the National League, let's go by division. Atlanta has a six-game lead over the Washington Nationals and a seven-game lead over the Phillies and an 11-game lead over the Mets. Atlanta is 65 and 46. The Nats, with their win last night, are 58-51. The Phillies lost in 15 innings to Chicago, Chicago White Sox, 4-3 in Philadelphia, 57-52. And, and the Mets, who have been red hot lately, um, they have now moved to within three games of 500, and they're five games behind the Nationals uh, right now. And the Nationals are tied with the Cubs for the number one spot in the wild card situation with the Phillies just a half a game back, Milwaukee two back, San Francisco three and a half, Arizona four and a half, and the Mets five games back. The reason I point out the Mets, and it's interesting, don't go to sleep on them totally. The the trade, the acquisition they made of Marcus Stroman, there's no question that the game plan was let's pick up a guy who's controllable for next year who can make up for either Noah Syndergaard or Zach Wheeler being dealt but they didn't deal either one of them. Yeah. They now have five starting pitchers in DeGrom, Matz, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Wheeler and Stroman. Yeah. That that ranks much better than the Phillies. And with Max Scherzer down right now with the Nationals, you have to wonder if it isn't better than the Nationals. The reason I bring it up is they have plenty of games left uh, against head-to-head. Uh, in fact, next weekend, the Mets and the Nationals are playing a, a big series up in Chase Stadium. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how close the Mets can get uh, to that. St. Louis has a half-game lead over the Cubs. Milwaukee Brewers two-and-a-half back, and they have really stumbled. Yeah. And I don't know that they did enough at the deadline picking up what Jordan Lyles. Yeah, they've and, got Jordan Lyles. And they picked up somebody else. They uh, traded Aguilar. They trade Aguilar for Jacob Faria. Yeah. I love Faria, but I don't know that uh, that's going to work for them right now. No starting we'll pitching. They, their starting pitching is really, really suspect. Anyway, Dodgers have that big lead out there, and it's interesting the Giants didn't sell, and I think they've gone 1-3 since the deadline. Joining us right now is our friend uh, Bill Latson of MLB.com. Bill, how are you? Doing great, uh how you doing? I'm doing super, and I know how much you love this. When you hear, when you hear in the grapevine that Craig Heist isn't going to be on the show, I immediately get a call from you. Can I come on? Hey, it's great news, man. I mean, without him, he's a pest. Uh, you, you know how he is. I don't have to tell you. Yep, 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 yep. I, you don't have to tell me is right. Hey, uh, who? It's pretty obvious the Houston Astros 
were a huge winner at the trade deadline, Bill Latson. Uh, no doubt about it. Who who else were winners at the trade deadline? Wow. I mean, to me, as far as I'm concerned, I think the Arizona Diamondbacks were also winners. Even though they got rid of Gricky, yep. they were able to get some minor leaguers, some top minor leaguers. Yep. And uh, to me, I, I think that's it. I mean, I know a lot of people are saying the Nationals because they picked up bullpen help. But to me, those guys are like like Hunter Strickland, the wait-and-see type guys. I mean, I got to see them do do the job for more than one game. Did, so, did you hear what yeah, ha- did you would hear did you hear what happened in the Washington game to Rowanus Elias? Yes, he was told not to uh run and uh <laughs> yes, I'm I'm aware, but he know, pulled his he, he pulled his hamstring and he could be out. He could easily be out a month with that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But uh we don't know the outcome yet, but yep. uh yeah, but he, he was told not to uh run or hit the baseball, but he did it anyway. Mm. But so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right. That's a real head scratcher. I will tell you this. Hunter Strickland looked fantastic last night in his one inning. Yes, yes he did. Yeah. Um, but, again, just one game because he's been inconsistent the last couple of years. But, uh, but, but I think he's better than, uh, you know, Trevor Rosenthal, all the people they had uh, to start the season and go into the break. What what was your thought on what Atlanta picked up over the three trades they made? They picked up Chris Martin, Mark Melanson, and Shane Green. Uh, all help? Yeah, I mean, again, it, it doesn't tickle my fancy. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Now, I remember Mark Melanson with the Nationals. Yep. And, and, you know, he didn't blow anyone away. He was okay with the Giants. Shane Green... I mean, again, I mean, I'm a huge, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Shane Green fan. I think he, his stuff really plays well, and I think he'll be uber motivated with a winning team. Now, uh, I'm looking for great things out of Shane Green. Yeah, but but Shane Green again, I have to take a wait and see approach with that. I, I because, understand. Uh, um, you know, like he did it with the Tigers, okay, but uh, let's see him do it uh, when it really counts. All right, and, fair, uh, fair enough. Take it from there. The, mm-hmm. the Cleveland Indians not only picked up Yasiel Puig and Framil Reyes, they were able to somehow, I guess because they were the team brokering the most uh, desired commodity in that trade was Trevor Bauer, they got three prospects in that deal too. Yeah, I mean, how how this deal was made is, is beyond me. Yeah. I think, it, I think it took a lot of people by surprise, especially with the Reds. Yep. Because the Reds are like six games back. Yep. And pick up Trevor Bauer like that. I mean, that, that tells me they still think they're still in it. Well, they have, and, they uh, have the one season of control where he's going to get an arbitration figure probably around correct. 19 or $20 million. It correct. says to correct. me, it says to me, they're really going to go for it this off season, you know? Oh, no question. Yeah. But you know, I think they still have a champion. They're only six games in the uh, in the division, so there's still a chance. You have two months left in the season, and uh, I think the Reds still think they have a chance. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think they would have made this deal if they didn't think so. Same thing with the Mets. We're talking with Bill Latson of MLB.com. We're talking to you from the Live Casino Hotel Studio. Let's let's look at a couple losing teams in in here. Um, I, I rank Milwaukee pretty low. 
I rank St. Louis lower, and I think I rank the Dodgers and the Yankees even lower. Your thoughts? Well, well, well listen, you know, uh, the Dodgers and, and the Yankees, let's start with them. Yeah. Yes, they did not pick up anybody of, of significance, no right. question about it. Uh, as you know, I'm always serious when I talk to you about the Yankees. Well, I know you're a Yankee they, fan. You know. Yes, I, I think they still need starting pitching. And uh, does the fe- does the lack of a trade s- signify to you that they're hearing positive things about Severino? Well, no, I don't think so because I mean I know he's going to throw off the mound starting next week, right? But that that doesn't tell me anything. I mean I got to see him, uh, you know, really work on the mound, start you know to pitching games. Uh, that doesn't tell me anything. Yeah. Um, with the Dodgers. You know, like, um, the Dodgers have been in the World Series for the last two years. They've lost them in a big way. The thing is with them that they haven't picked up a person who can really take them all the way to the top. Yep. They don't, I don't think that, that's that been the problem. So, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see them go to the World Series for the third year in a row, which I think will happen. Yep, I do too. But, and... Uh, you know, when they when they face either the Houston Astros or whoever, I, I think the Astros will beat them. I, I think the Dodgers can be had again I, in whoever they face in the World, in the world I, Series. I think they are capable of winning the World Series, but I think the most important pitcher they have right now, believe it or not, is Joe Kelly as to whether he can come on like he did last year with Boston. Uh, they spent a lot of money on him, but uh, – uh, clearly, they had a need in the late innings to get the ball to Jansen and be the insurance policy if Jansen comes up lame because uh, he's not the Kenley Jansen of two, three, four years ago. No, but but you know what, though? You mentioned Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly has been really inconsistent, and yep. you, know, you wonder if he, he'll even – uh, Make the postseason roster. So. I I know I know, but I don't. It's interesting. Um, a- answer me this: the Washington Nationals. Uh, this is not a talk about what they acquired or didn't acquire. Um, they were twenty-five and ten before the All Star break. Since mm-hmm. since Max Scherzer's you know first injury that now has morphed into a second injury, they're eleven and nine, including last night. Uh, their momentum has been thwarted some, both by who they played and and the the loss of Max Scherzer. Uh, uh-huh. How serious do you think they're worried about Scherzer right now? Oh, you have to be worried because he's their best pitcher. Yeah, you have to be worried. And so uh, there's no question about that. So uh, I, I, you know what? Strangely enough, I'm going to stick to what I said uh, early in the season. I still don't think the Nationals are going to make the playoffs because I don't think they have enough firepower to uh, go, to the, go to the postseason, not even to the wild card. Milwaukee, so. Milwaukee picks up um, uh, Jordan Lyles and Jacob Faria, and I like Faria, but they, they peer, apparently have immediately uh, uh, put Lyles in their rotation. Did they do enough? No, I, I don't think they did enough because, I mean, they need pitching. The offense, you know, outside of uh, Christian Yelich, has been okay. It's nothing to brag about. And, you know, um, you know what? I'm going to tell you a team I think will be back in there in that race. 
I really like the way the Mets picked up uh, Stroman. And, you know, they lost yesterday, yes, but I like the way they've been playing lately. And I, and I think they're going to give the National League East and the Wild Card a tough time. You know, I'll tell you, I just talked about that right before our last commercial break. They, they clearly acquired Stroman with an eye to 2020, but when they didn't trade Syndergaard or Wheeler, what they've ended up with is by far the best rotation in the division, and it, and it might be a rotation that's able to pick up. They are, only, they are only right now five games behind the Nationals. Uh, and Correct. Yeah, uh, you know, the Nationals and the Cubs. Um, Billy, before I let you go, the Boston Red Sox didn't do anything. Is that because... They they feel that Darwin's are, Darwin's in Hernandez could could be the uh, guy to hand the ball to Nathan Avaldi. Was it? I mean, was there a little bit of a method to their madness? And isn't their bigger problem is that their rotation has really just sprung a leak? Yes, uh, I think it's the uh, rotation, and uh, I think the rotation definitely has to get better. And but you know what though, you I think they didn't make a deal because I think they feel that Nathan Ovaldi can do the job. They weren't able to get their bullpen help like they wanted. But if you, if you look at Nathan Ovaldi, he's off to a slow start. But, I mean, the guy uh, has a fastball that's almost unhittable. And, and I think it will play in the eighth and ninth inning. I think uh, he's going to be a hell of a, hell of a reliever. Once he gets accustomed to it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and Hernandez strikes out roughly about a batter and a half every three batters he faces right now. He's doing yes. a pretty good job. Bill, before we let you go, yesterday was the 40th anniversary. Uh, I was in Boulder, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado when I heard the news that Thurman Munson passed away. Uh, tragically in a in an airplane crash on August the second, nineteen seventy nine. Where were you, and where does he stand in the pantheon of Yankee greats? Well, Thurman uh, Munson is my all time favorite player, and uh, I was uh, I was going shopping with my father when my father said, "Did you hear Thurman Munson got killed?" And uh, I was shocked. And, how uh, how old were you at the time? I was 17, 17. And, uh, going on, 17 going on 18. And then, you know, I, hurry, I rushed to get the, uh, uh, you know, to get the, uh, the food up, upstairs. Right. And then I rushed to the TV and I heard Bill Cutell say, uh, Yankee catcher Thurman Munson is dead. And, uh, I tell you, um, it's still shocking to this day to remember that day. Yeah. Uh, there, there seems to be now a push on that committee, I forget what it's called now. It's not called the Veterans Committee. Um, If you heard the news this coming year or a year and a half from now that Thurman Munson was going into the Hall of Fame, is it deserved? No question. My my, my thing is if Carlton Fitz is in the Hall of Fame, that Thurman Munson should be in the Hall of Fame. Because I thought during their era, Thurman Munson was far better. He was always healthy. I'm always ready to play. Won an MVP, won Rookie of the Year, won two championships. I mean that. that yes, there's no question he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Is there a way, Bill? Uh, I know this is a little far-fetched, but is there a way analytics could could sort of 
put the cap on what his career most likely would have looked like had he not tragically died at the age of, what, 31 or 32? Uh, yeah, he was 32. Uh, yeah, there's no question that athletes could, could really uh, put a spin on what he did. Uh, yeah. I, I think it would show that uh, he was still one of the best catchers when he passed away. Right. And uh, there's no telling how many you know total hits, RBIs he would have received because he's still a run producer when he passed away. Yeah. That's that's so, kind of uh, what I'm I'm thinking that analytics could play a part, and not just in a tragic death such as this. Uh, we know Sandy Koufax went in with un-Hall of Fame totality numbers because of right. how great he was, but with my guy, that's kind of my Thurman Munson, is Tony Oliva, who was robbed of injuries, robbed by injuries of the mm-hmm. greatness that he would have shown over another seven or eight years of playing. Uh, right, I right. think analytics could play a part, almost like detective work, in what a player would have ended up producing. I think I think the what's opened the door for Thurman Munson to get in is Harold Baines. Yeah, I think a lot of people think is Harold Baines can get in, and to me, he was not a Hall of Famer. But if Harold Baines can get in, then Thurman Munson, Bill Buckner, among others, uh, can get in. Hey, I got a, before I let you go, I got a great story that I think would be cool if you, you, you tried to tackle. Have you seen this story on ESPN about the Philadelphia Fanatic? No, I haven't. Uh, apparently, the Philadelphia Phillies and Bill Giles developed the idea of the Fanatic in the late 70s, and they worked with a company called Har- Harrison Erickson, to develop the ma- the mascot's costume, it made its no it it made its debut in a Phillies game in April of 1978, and there's a lawsuit now going on by Harrison Erickson that says that they are owed millions of dollars. Take a look at this story; it's a fascinating story about trademark law, and uh, apparently Bill Giles was was said that this contract and costume would last forever. But according to the major league team over the past year, the New York-based company has tried to terminate the agreement, believing that it copied, created the copyrighted character. This is a hell of a story, I'll tell you. Philadelphia wow. fanatic. Wow. Billy, Amazing. thanks very much for being on this week. Hey, anytime, man. You take care. All right. You stay well, all right? You too. All right. We're going to make our contact in just a minute with our friend Josh Soroka. And in that time, I will tell you that, uh, as I always do, because there's always somebody that's helping us put on the show, and I'm going to tell you that the bat around is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Uh, that's that's Mobile One. We remind you we're broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studio, and we will tell you that the Live Casino has some great events coming up at the Event Center. We've been telling you for a couple weeks now that Dwight Yoakam on August 17th with Sugarcane Jane. Tickets start at just $45, include $10 in free slots play, The show starts at 8 o'clock that night on August 17th. 
Also coming to the live event center in the coming months are Norm McDonald, Grand Funk Railroad, Boz Skaggs. That's rescheduled. Boggs had uh, some health issues. Uh, Boggs Skaggs, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, and Gladys Knight. Get your tickets and more information on when these shows are at livecasinohotel.com. All right. Our buddy Josh Soroka is joining us right now. And uh, Josh, I don't think I've ever done an interview where somebody's driving their family to uh, Florida. Well, you're in luck because you don't have to today either because I <laughs> changed the plans and drove through the night and we got into the house five minutes ago. You're kidding me. So I am in uh, San right. Augustine, Florida right now. Just got in. All right. Tell our listeners a little bit about what what moved you to St. Augustine other than your hands. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm down here for work. Yep. So – uh, we wanted to move to a place with a, a little better climate, and uh, there was a good job opening uh, for me down here for my normal job uh-huh. that uh, was a promotion and a nice area to raise the kids. So thankfully with technology, I can still live in Florida and still watch every Oriole and Raven game and all that. That's, it's that's, easy enough to come home and hit up Camden Yards. That's so. great. I'll never forget when I, when I gave up my career as Stan the Fan – uh, back in 2001, when I was let go by uh, CBS Radio at the time, they were Infinity Broadcasting, different management. But I, my wife and I decided about three months later, we'd move to Durham, North Carolina. And I was so excited that I'd finally get to actually watch all the games. And then the season started, and I bought the MLB package, and I was blacked out in Durham, North Carolina, the Oriole games. I tell you, I was absolutely furious with that. Could not understand how Durham, North Carolina, whether a game was televised there or not, was going to affect Oriole attendance. Or It just was bizarre. So I'm happy you don't have that same problem down in St. Augustine. No, I'm far enough away. The only time I've hit the blackout issues is when they were playing the Rays a couple of weeks ago. Right, gotcha. Uh, and I, I was able to get that on regular television, so it was all good. Tell me one thing, uh, and I, this isn't why I had you on. Isn't St. Augustine like the oldest city in Florida? I think it's one of the, yes, it's the oldest city in Florida. It's one of the oldest cities in the country. Yeah, it's pretty I don't, amazing. I don't know the history, but there's a whole lot of signs and stuff that I haven't gotten into yet. Now, is that over Is that over on the West Coast, but tucked into the Gulf a little bit? No, it's East Coast, south of Jacksonville, north of Daytona Beach. Oh, okay. Totally opposite of where I thought it was. Yeah. So that's, a, that's a good climate. That's a good climate. Um, yeah. Tell us about Section 336. So has it missed yeah. has it missed a beat with all three of you doing the show? No, no. I had uh, we had already been during the off season. We were very used to everyone in studio, but we transitioned during the off season to doing it occasionally over Skype and over the internet, uh, using some other things, not Skype, but similar programs for podcasting. So we already had things prepared. So I've been doing it from down in Florida. And uh, no, it doesn't skip a beat. Show's just as good. And it's great to catch up with my brother and brother-in-law once a week. So, so the, show's, the, the show's just as good in your opinion, or some pe- people's opinion might be it's just as bad. Right. That's the a show, joke. That's a joke. The show joke. is good. Yes. We're covering the Orioles, so that's bad. <laughs> okay. 
Hey, um, now, so you guys used to get together, all three of you, at your house, in the studio you built in the basement of your house. So do they yep. do they remain at each other's home? I mean, you know, individual homes, or do they get together and it's only from two locations? No, we are from three locations now. That is wild. When can people yeah. find the show? We know it's on our press box, uh, you know, uh, yeah. listings it, in the archives and all that. But yep. where can people uh, watch the show? Uh, well, we're not doing it right now. We're not doing video stream or anything until uh, I get settled down in Florida. Okay. But uh, we have new episodes come out every Tuesday morning uh, on Section336.com, iTunes, Pressbox online. All the, everywhere you can find it. All you got to do is Google Section 336. It's all over the place. All right. How, um, so you have to set up the studio at your new home? Yes. All I right. will be building a one-man studio down here. All right. Any good news on the sale of the home up here? No. If someone would like to buy a home in the Annapolis area, hit me up because it, it's not moving yet. All right. Uh, did you did you want to talk to my wife at some point about the idea of auctioning it? Uh, not not yet. Okay, I'm telling you they they move uh, that house would that house would actually sell the the day it uh, it's a whole different ball game to auction a home off. It's yeah. inter- it's interesting to investigate. How can somebody yeah. hit you up if they are listening or watching this on Facebook Live? And liking and sharing uh, it, how how can they reach you? Uh, on Twitter, Josh Soroka. Okay, at Josh Soroka. Uh, yeah, just search Section Three Thirty Six. Anything that you click on the contact Section Three Thirty Six goes to me. All right, the Twitter is at Josh Soroka. S R O K A. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. Re- really nice home in a really nice neighborhood out just outside of Annapolis. Um, what what was that area called though? It's not Annapolis. It's, it's, no, it's called Arnold. Arnold, that's right. Arnold, Maryland. Yeah. I'll miss my yearly trips to Arnold. I guess Section three thirty six will pick up the check for me to come down to St. Augustine now. I, I think what we're going to do is we will meet up with you in Sarasota. All right, that sounds good. That sounds good. So let's. Uh, I've spent all this time now telling people where you can still find. Section 336, it's still alive and well. Uh, the Orioles have been uh, alive and well until these last two games. They had a good enough streak to let the Tigers slide backwards past them. Right, right. That West Coast trip was a whole lot of fun, and I was looking forward to, hey, maybe it's going to – Blue Jays aren't that great of a team. Maybe we can continue it at home, and it hasn't been that for the – yeah, they came, they came home and have been, I call these two games very listless games. You know, just awful, the, the two yeah. games back here. Does it bum you out uh, and the, and your partners, Bert and Matt, in Section 336, that we might not get the number one pick? No, because the number one pick doesn't work out all the time. And there's... We're going to be fine if we get the number two pick, the number three pick. Yep. No matter who we get, it's going to be a high pick, and it's all a gamble anyway. What's been What's been the most pleasant surprise of 2019? Is it John Means and Anthony Santander? I think, yeah, yeah, that's got to be it. I mean, there was 
you may have got if you if you talked to me two days ago, I might have said Wojciechowski as well. Right. But I was a little concerned about his outing uh, the other day, but um, yeah, it's got to be. I did not. Ex- I never heard of John Means really before this season, so that's a big surprise. And Sam Sandar. Uh, besides the name t- change that we're getting all used to, right. he was a guy who I didn't expect anything out of, and he's a guy that might be able to stick around in the big leagues, and that's exciting because we need someone who can play regularly in center field. We're talking to Josh Soroka. He's the founder, along with his brother and uh, brother-in-law, Burton Matt, of Section 336. We're talking to him about the Orioles' 2000 and. 19 season. Uh, Josh, I'm just curious if it hit you and the other guys that, and the Orioles aren't alone in this, but Wade Miley, the Wade Miley we saw in Baltimore for what, a season and a half or two seasons? um, That's been a vastly different Wade Miley in Milwaukee and Houston, two teams that we would argue are using a lot of advanced analytics. do you see it the same way? Yeah. I mean, but isn't that the story of the Orioles for the past few years? Is let's wait until a pitcher leaves and see what happens to them. Because it seems like traditionally they always get better. But we also know that's not the truth. That's just where we, where we look at. Because if you look at Galsman in Atlanta. Yeah, he hasn't I think gotten his better. better years were in Baltimore. Yeah. He hasn't gotten better. He's, he's gone backwards. And, Right. I think we're all scared because of the Arietta, Arietta leaving and really getting a whole lot better. Right. That we just assume that every time a pitcher leaves the Orioles, they get better. So, I mean, it's, I, that's great for Wade. Yeah. And exciting for him. But I'm more excited with the fact that our triple-A and double-A pitchers or single-A and double-A pitchers are pitching really well. Uh, that excites me more because – I can see that's got to be analytics in-house changing. That's what I was going to ask you next. That's a sign. That's not a coincidence that all those guys at AA are suddenly pitching like world beaters. Um, It it has to be that the organization is showing them some ways to be better rather than conventional pitching coach-to-pitcher relationship. Yeah, I remember probably about a Two months ago, I was talking to Alex Murphy, the minor league catcher that the Orioles released recently, uh-huh. and he was on a rehab uh, down in uh, extended spring training and working with the pitchers catching, and he said that he had never seen the amount of analytics that they were bringing into Sarasota and that the pitchers were working with. And so that excited me because if they're doing that at, at that time at extended spring training, I knew that was going into the minor leagues as well. Yeah. It's been interesting to watch. Um, one of those pitchers, I'm not sure if it it went past you with all you got going on with your move. Uh, Bruce Zimmerman is actually pitching at AAA now. So they broke up that group of uh, six starting pitchers, and uh, Zimmerman has not fared as well in his two starts. And we had Gary Kendall on the show a little earlier this morning, and he alluded to the baseball the fact that it's a different baseball at triple A yes. than double A, it's the major league baseball. And that's what I was just I was just gonna ask you that same question because we're seeing the same thing with Dylan Tate jumping from the buoy to the majors and struggling. Right. And where we see we've been hearing so many stories about the ball 
being so different. And when you look at the box scores down in Bowie compared to the major leagues, Bowie is the traditional baseball that we know, where the majors right now are filled with home runs. Yep. Uh, and so there's definitely something going on with the baseball, and I wonder well, this is the, the, people this about is, that. This is the first year that the AAA has used the Major League Baseball, and the home runs are off the charts there, too. Exactly, yeah. right. And so it's definitely a baseball difference, and they say the baseball costs a whole lot more to make the Major League and AAA-style baseball, so that's why the AA teams don't get it. But I have that concern about how does that affect your, your pitchers, especially when you're worried, and we've seen Elias talk about, like, you don't want to bring guys up to the majors too soon because you don't want them to come in and learn losing. Well, that transition from double-A to triple-A, how's that going to affect your player's confidence if suddenly he's given up all these long balls? Yeah, I, the whole thing mystifies me because I, I'm not sure who pays for baseballs at, at, at the different level, but it seems like to an organization – what what could that cost a year to for each major league team to supply their 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 all the way up from you know low A to supply them the right. baseballs and have one uniform baseball? It seems right. it, it well, seems idiotic. The whole point of minor league baseball is to develop players to be ready for the major leagues, and now you have thrown yeah. in this wrinkle just as they get near the the major leagues that they're going to have a different baseball. It, se- it seems. As an industry, it seems idiotic. So this has been driving me crazy for about a month now. So I've been doing research into the baseball. Yeah. And Major League Baseball has bought Rollins. So yeah. they now own, they own the Rollins. manufacturer yeah. of the baseball. Yeah. They, they say that it costs 8 to $9 a baseball for Major League Baseballs. And then I saw a report that in order for each level of baseball to use the same ball, it would be about six mil, six to $8 million per level, which to me doesn't sound like that much money. Even if it's per team, six to eight million, that's still what you're investing in a player. So why aren't you investing that money in order to um, yeah. help them develop? It's but it. then you look at minor league baseball and they don't even want to play for, for the players or give them nice travel arrangements and yeah. everything. So there's a whole minor league baseball issue to begin with. It's it's it is it is pretty interesting, but clearly Major League Baseball owns Rawlings, and I wonder if the eight or nine dollars of baseball is with Major League Baseball or Rawlings making a profit on the balls. But if Major League Baseball owns them, couldn't they make their profit off of selling the balls to people outside the industry and maybe make that price of the balls? Like six dollars a ball rather than nine dollars a ball to to affiliated teams. Right. It just remember, seems there's if, you one... Camden, if you go to Camden Yards, you can go up to the warehouse and buy game used balls for twenty five dollars. Right. Why don't they take those game used balls, send them to Double A? Right. Right. Uh, maybe it makes too much sense. Maybe it makes too much sense. So, did you get any sleep last night? Uh, I got about an hour and a half in three 30 minute spurts and did you, pull and, over and sleep for 30 minutes and then keep driving. And you did the, and you did all the driving. Uh, Mandy drove during those 30 to 40 minute spurts. Oh, you mean you went, you slept for 30, 40 minutes and she drove. Okay. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. You and, said, then, 
and then I'd be refreshed a little bit and take on some more hours. It was a uh, like twelve hour drive. And the kids were all. How many kids do you have? Three. I have three girls. Three and they girls. slept most of the way. Lucky. So they're exploring the home now. Very excited to be down here. All right. Hey, Josh. Great talking to you again. Uh, we know we'll stay in touch with each other because we got one yep. thing that unifies us, that we're Oriole fans, right? Yeah, it doesn't matter how uh, how ugly it is on the outside. All right. We're still there. All right. Good luck with everything. Let me know if you need some uh, information on that idea, okay? All right. Thank All you. All right. Good luck with everything, Josh. There you have it, Josh Soroka. Major move from uh, Arnold, Maryland to St. Augustine, Florida for work. And uh, keeping Section 336 alive, um, we're very proud of him and his uh, efforts. And, if again, if somebody is looking for a home uh, in the Arnold, Maryland area, tweet him at, at Josh Soroka. That's S-R-O-K-A, J-O-S-H-S-R-O-K-A. Uh, I've never tried to sell a property uh, on my show before, but there's always a first time. Uh, we are just about at 11.35, I mean 11.30. We're going to take a break right now, and we'll uh, catch back up with you in just a, in just a couple minutes. Uh, and we will have on with us at that time uh, Steve Sparks, one of the uh, radio analysts for the Houston Astros. We'll talk to him about all things Astros. But right now, I want to tell you about Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. That's right. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports with all the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wingding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more. With different drink specials every day of the week, you can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today. Ross Grimsley and I like to talk about one of our favorite places, and Craig Heiss, too. That's the Costas Inn. And we all think we know a little something about special. And uh, the Costas Inn is one hell of a special restaurant. Located at 4100 North Point Boulevard, the Costas Inn is known far and wide for their great steamed crabs, crab cakes, and a whole host of nightly specials. Get a load of these. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night is steak night. And Thursday night is lobster night. And then on Friday... Pete and Nick offer a variety of special dinners. So take it from me, Stan the Fan, and my compatriots here at Press Box and the podcast, Ross Grimsley, Craig Heist. We know a little something about special, and the Costas Inn is one hell of a special place. Check out Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasInn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Hey, Birdland, it's time to turn back the clocks for an Orioles ticket flash sale. Join the O's in celebrating the 30th anniversary of the 89 Why Not season. 
season with special throwback ticket pricing. Beginning on August 1st, select Terrace Box and Upper Reserve tickets for the August 9th through 11th games against the Astros will be available at $19.89 prices, starting at $6.50. Plus, the weekend series offers loads of giveaways and fun. But hurry, this flash sale is for three days only. Be part of it all. Orioles.com. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports with all of the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit Sliders today. This is Ross Grimsley. Join Press Box and myself at Sliders on Monday, July 8th for the All-Star Home Run Derby from 7 to 9 p.m. I'll be behind the bar as a guest bartender serving drinks and talking baseball. I'm even buying the first 50 people that show up their first Fancy Clancy Pilsner. That's right. The first 50 of you will get your first Fancy Clancy Pilsner on me. That's Monday, July 8th at Sliders Bar and Grill across the street from Camden Yards. The Home Run Derby, Press Box, Fancy Clancy Pilsner, and me, Ross Grimsley. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross for details. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a special double issue celebrating Ed Reed's upcoming induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The legendary safety detailed his odyssey from an unheralded prospect out of New Orleans, Louisiana, to a Hall of Fame career in Baltimore, and his commitment to both hometowns. Plus, the teammates, coaches, family members, and friends that know Ed Reed the best share their favorite stories about him ahead of his induction. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio? Or, or Lady Gaga? Maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. Uh, we are back on the bat around on this Saturday morning, and uh, we are just going to make our connection right now with Steve Sparks. Uh, radio analyst and former Major League pitcher with the Houston Astros. Uh, Steve Sparks, uh, always an entertaining and informative guest, and uh, anxious to talk to him about Jeff Lunau, how he snuck in and not only picked up uh, one Zach Greinke, but picked up two really interesting pitchers from the Houston Astros in, in uh, Aaron Sanchez and Joe Biagini. 
Joining us right now is the Houston Astros uh, radio analyst, uh, and that is uh, our friend Steve Sparks. Steve, thank you for taking some time from I know what's a busy Saturday morning for you. Oh, my pleasure, guys. How you all doing? We're doing all right. You're only on with Stan today. Craig Heist is doing another assignment today, uh, but we appreciate the time nonetheless. Um, we've had you on, and we kind of are always effusive in our praise for uh, one Jeff Lunau. How the heck did he pull this off right while the Yankees were playing the Arizona Diamondbacks and Zach Greinke was essentially pitching against the Yankees and uh, he pulled off the heist of the year. And I don't mean heist of the year that he didn't give up meaningful product uh, prospects for him, but this is a, an incredible deal. Yeah, you know what? I think they thought the deal was done when, when Grinky took the mound uh, at Yankee Stadium the other day. Uh, they didn't feel like uh, the traction was going to get to where they needed it to be. And uh, Grinky took the mound, and they actually had it uh, on in the office when they, when they were calling all the teams about you know, trying to acquire somebody before the deadline. And lo and behold, they, they started to get a little traction with about 10 minutes left before the deadline, and they were able to consummate it. They said two minutes. Uh, before it was done. So I guess they had things typed up and, and all ready to go, uh, just whether or not they were going to uh, relent on a couple other uh, higher-end prospects at the last minute, and they decided, you know what? I mean, this is this is the window. This is yep. the time to uh, put up or shut up, and, and they and they did it. And, uh, man, what a jolt of, of adrenaline and excitement in the clubhouse. I was in there uh, when everybody found out the I'm- news – came through there about 12 minutes after the deadline and when everybody found out man it was just a celebration uh, i bet it was i bet it was now you find out about that deal and i can't remember i thought that the be a genie part of the other deal was announced prior to that uh, and it, it almost was. lulled you into sleeping that uh, they picked up joe be a genie that's nice then all of a sudden it comes out that they get cranky and then to me the real the real sort of under the radar uh, trade was the one that, that brings Aaron Sanchez, a guy who was 15 and two just three years ago. Yeah, you know what? They've been kind of known for uh, maybe taking a chance on somebody that could be maybe a reclamation project. I mean, I, I don't know if you can say that fully when, when you look at what Sanchez was able to do his last two or three outings uh, with the Blue Jays. But when you look back to a uh, Colin McHugh, who they picked up off the waiver wire, ended up being a 19-game uh, winner in the rotation. Uh, they were able to pick up Will Harris, who ended up being an all-star and a real big piece in the bullpen. And then it was the Charlie Morton, the Garrett Cole, the yep. Justin Verlanders, those guys that they feel like, you know what, uh, they like to try to identify things that they do well and see if they can maximize that by throwing certain pitches a little bit more and, and maybe increasing the spin rates that we hear so much about these days. But uh, – I would imagine there's going to be a conversation pretty soon with Sanchez and be a genie too. Um, hey, we love what you do. and We, we acquired you for a reason, but uh, we think you can be even better. And, it, and it'd be really hard uh, for those guys to come in and resist because of the track record they have now. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating to me. It's one thing in the old days, growing up as a kid, we would always throw out trade ideas and, and look, I've played fantasy baseball for over 30 years, so I'm always making my own trades. And you always say, boy, this guy would be good on my team. But they not only identify players that would be good on their team, they seem to know going into trades how to make those players better 
by, like you say, emphasizing what they do and explaining to them sort of some analytical information. Right. Well, a big part of that, I mean, Mike Elias and Sigma Dell were a big uh, part of what the Astros uh, started to do. And I think they, they do a great comprehensive job of, of going through throughout the season and, and all year long is trying to, to value and weight players throughout the league. You know, if they feel like uh, there's areas where they feel like that they can uh, help a, a pitcher or a hitter get a little bit better, uh, they may even weight those a little bit more because uh, they feel like they can take them maybe even to another level. So, I mean, it's a, it's a arduous process, uh, you know, to, to weight everybody. And, and they do a lot of, obviously, with the minor leagues, too. So uh, they've got their guys weighted. And, and if it makes sense, and maybe if you lose just a little bit, but uh, you're in your window to, to go for it and your, your owner's on board to spend a little bit more money, I mean, that's the mode they're in right now. I mean, I'm sure the Orioles are going to get there at some point. Yeah. Uh, you've got some brilliant people in your front office now, and uh, you should feel very good about that. Uh, we're talking with Steve Sparks, who's a radio analyst for the uh, Houston Astros. We're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studio. Steve, uh, how many years have you been with the Astros now in the broadcast booth? Yeah, this is my seventh year to do the full-time radio. I was doing pre and post for, for seven years before that so uh, you, on television. But for seven years, and including those those woeful years, uh, two or three years of the 100-loss seasons, uh, where we watched this transformation take place. That's that's what I was alluding to, was you, were, yeah. you, were you down there. How similar, because I, I know you well enough in the f- couple times we've talked, to know that you've got one eye over here in Baltimore, just sort of seeing the progress. Does this does this blueprint look familiar to you? It does. You know what? I mean, it took a lot of things to kind of come together. Uh, and, and Mike knows that. I, I, I know uh, he's so smart. And, and, and me personally, on a personal note, as far as Sig and, and Mike Elias go, I was, I was very sorry to see them go because I know how important they were uh, to this Astros organization. But uh, I think everybody in Baltimore can rest easy knowing that they're going to do things the right way. But there's a lot of things that have to go in place, and you have to draft real well. You have to develop really good. And, and the Astros have done a great job of, of using the, the minor leagues almost as a laboratory to, to find different ways to keep an edge on, on a lot of folks as far as uh, taking chances on their development skills and, and seeing if they can tweak things and uh, – seen a lot of players come out of nowhere and be valuable valuable pieces if not in the big leagues and in, in trades and in ways to get the team better but that's where it all starts I, I think it's the player development and the Astros realized that with Jeff Luno uh, a few years ago when he took over the reins and say hey if we're going to be able to sustain uh, a really good team now we're all about we want to win a championship but if we want to sustain having a, a really good team it starts with the farm system and we have to draft well and we have to develop really well so we need to be on the cutting edge as far as that goes. That word development, it's interesting. You know, people people know that we're going through a rebuild here, but when they see a guy like Ryan Mountcastle at Norfolk and AAA performing well, the instinct is, boy, we're so bad up here at the major league level. Let's bring up our, our best prospect. And these guys know that, that the deal is that they have to finish their development so when they come up here – not that they can't make mistakes, but that they're up here to stay. Uh, that's vastly different than what we saw 
in, uh, in you know, with Mike's predecessor, Dan Duquette, who seemed, because of the dearth of talent in the organization, to always try to rush development. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the key, is to be patient. Um, I, and I, you, you hate to say this as a former player, too, but why start the clock on a particular player if you're wondering if he's exactly ready? Why start the clock on his Major League service time before you need to? You know, and, no, no and question one thing about that it. this team tried to do as well as anything is they tried to ladder these prospects coming up to the big league so they weren't going to become free agents all at the same time once the team's good. Uh, I think to Kansas City, you know, when they had all those players come up to the big league at the same time, their window shut really hard yep. uh, right away. But if you, if you have these guys in free agent, uh, reaching free agency in, you know, maybe one here, then – to the next year, and you know, if you spread them out, and there's a ladder there, yep, that's uh, a lot easier to to swallow. We're talking with Steve Sparks, who's part of the Houston Astros radio um, uh, team. He does the analysis on their broadcast. So, when will Granke make his first Astros start? He's going to pitch Tuesday, and oddly enough, it's going to be against the Colorado Rockies, a team that's been in his division for the last few years. <laughs> Uh, with the Dodgers and with the Diamondbacks. So a familiar foe for Grinky. so maybe a little easy footing as far as uh, trying to get ready and prepare for a start. You're not going to have to at least know new hitters in that first one. But uh, we're looking forward to it. I mean, what a what a craftsman he is. and Somebody that used to throw 95, 96 is still as good as he ever was pitching at 90 miles per hour because of the change of speed, the location, and the creativity. And uh, – I mean, this organization is very excited right now because they feel like they they added probably a, a third ace to their rotation. No, no uh, question about it. We were kind of thinking, it. putting our heads together yesterday, how many teams even have one ace? Yeah. And we think it's 10 or less. And it, the Astros probably have, have three of the, the dozen aces around baseball right now. Got to ask you something. You, you know Jeff Lunau pretty well and how he operates is the fact that these trades were announced right at 4 o'clock, you know, or five minutes after 4 o'clock at the deadline, is that part of how he thinks? In other words, he didn't make a deal at 2 o'clock and give Brian uh, Cashman or uh, yeah. Andrew Freeman two hours to say, well, wait a minute, they picked up Granky. We better up our offer for uh, Bumgarner or something like that. I, I think they would love to be able to plan it out. <laughs> and for that to be the case. Right. But I think it's more coincidence than anything else. I mean, you're just trying to get the best deal you can, and sometimes you just have to wait till the last second and, and not try to worry about what else everybody else is doing. If you concentrate on your team and try to get better and, and fortify yourself for, for a post a long postseason run, then uh, that's great. But as far as the other team's not doing anything, yeah. that was just a – Coincidence. Uh, I'm not going to say stroke of luck, but yeah. that was just kind of a nice little coincidence that the, I think that the Astros are saying, you know, before that deal got done, at the very least, it didn't look like anybody else was going to do anything. And then, bam. And yeah. then that was just the, the extra punch that the Astros felt like uh, maybe got a little advantage over the other teams. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Steve Sparks. Steve, just a couple more minutes. Uh, do, you, sure. do you envision that they will use Aaron Sanchez as a starter now or do you think they have something different in mind for him, a la sort of the way McHugh was used when he was a relief pitcher or Peacock right. when he was a relief pitcher? 
Uh, that's a great question. So he's going to start tonight. Sanchez pitches for the Astros tonight against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I, I believe uh, going forward, that that's the plan. Peacock's on the injured list right now. Yep. And, and when they acquired another starting pitcher, their, their plan now is to, to ramp him up in his rehab uh, outings as a relief pitcher. So Peacock, very valuable coming out of the bullpen. He's a great matchup guy against righties and lefties. And then Sanchez going forward. <clears throat> I think in the playoff situation, if it started right now, I think Sanchez would go to the bullpen yep. because of what he can give you as far as a different look. You know, 95 sinking, you know, a lot of ground balls. Uh, he can overpower at times. Uh, and then next year going forward, uh, <clears throat> I'm not sure that they can anticipate re-signing Garrett Cole. He, you know, people are going to back up the truck this offseason. Sure. So. Uh, that was a nice little fallback plan for the Astros, knowing that you're going to have Grinky and San- Sanchez to fall back to. With Lance McCullers coming back from Tommy John surgery in Berlander, they feel like that they can stack up pretty well again next year. Question about Sanchez. You've watched him because you're doing <coughs> these games, so you see him quite a bit. Is it yeah. a possibility with the finger issues that he's had with breaking the nail and the blisters that he actually may be better suited to being a sort of a middle-inning monster? Well, yeah, you know, but whenever you're 27, 28 years old, you don't want to think in those yeah, terms, especially yeah. before you get to free agency. And I think a lot of times people come to a culture that the Astros are in the middle of right now uh, with all the postseason runs is you're, you're good to do anything it takes, especially this time of year, uh, to help the team win. I mean, everyone, everybody wants the ring. Uh, everybody comes very selfless uh, mm-hmm. in, in organizations like this right now. So. Uh, whatever it takes, I think, when, once he gets to it. But I think going into spring training, there will probably be a talk or two about him uh, or whether it's his agent or, or him talking about, hey, going forward, uh, we'd really like Aaron to be a starter. And I think the Astros are all for that. You yeah. know, they, they feel like he, you know, getting 170 innings out of somebody yeah. uh, can help a lot. It, but the finger issues, um, I agree. I mean, you have to start thinking about how can we keep him healthy? How can he serve us best because we need him on the field? Yeah. Uh, tell me about the uh, the trade for Martin Maldonado. I think you guys had him when you won the World Series. Uh, I think you had him. Did you have him the year you won the World Series, or was it last no. year? <clears throat> no, they had him last year. Last they got year. got him at the trade deadline. Uh, yeah, back-to-back years That's right. Now. So their feeling was is they had Robinson Chirinos and the younger catcher in Max Staffy right. and even a younger catcher in AAA. So if anything happened to Chirinos, they were worried about an inexperience in the postseason. Yep. So to bring on Maldonado, who's familiar with all the pitchers on the staff already and was very popular, uh, it just made sense to them. Just a, a little insurance there, but at the same time, somebody that's they cut down the running game. Last yeah. year, the Astros got him because they were going to play Boston and Cleveland, uh, two of the most uh, speedy teams in the league as far as stolen bases go, and he shut down the running game, and that's exactly what they were looking for. Tell me real quick before we let you go, I know it's still 55, 56 games left to play, so you can't predict health of the team. How much was the health issue of the Astros in in the entirety going into the playoffs why they weren't victorious last year? You know what? I mean, I mean, I think everybody to a man just realized, you know, they, they took their – they tipped their cap. They said Boston mm-hmm. was better than us. Yep. Now, us on the other end, we're looking down on the field and we're seeing Altuve on one leg and, and Correa looking like a shell of himself because of his back issues. 
those are two very important pieces for the team. But I'll tell you what, Boston looked a lot like the Astros did yeah. in 2017. I mean, they were really good. They got on a roll, and they outplayed the Astros. And I think, you know, the Astros fought long and hard about it all offseason long, and they've come out pretty hungry. Uh, but still, still very respectful of that Boston Red Sox team. Before I let you go, I was doing wanted to look up a little research on you last night just to refamiliarize myself with uh, uh, sort of when you played in the big leagues and all that. And I see this article uh-huh. from March the 14th uh, of, two th- of, of uh, 19, uh, March 14th of, of 2019, and it was talking about the 25th anniversary of something you did that was a little foolish. Uh, oh yeah. Are you are you bashful about talking about your? Uh, <laughs> I've talked about it for 25 years, Dan. Tell tell our audience a little bit about what you did 25 years ago, Steve Sparks. Well, this is in a nutshell. I'd spent eight years uh, in the <laughs> minor leagues to this point before I got my first invite to the major leagues, and I was in, in spring training. And our general manager at the time was Sal Bando, uh, and he brought in this group early on in spring training and. Uh, they were one of those motivational groups that, that like to inspire you uh, with some different feats of strength. And one of them was bending the, the bars with their teeth, and mm-hmm. uh, they blew up the hot water bottles, and they exploded. And one of the other things is they'd tear phone books, and they made it look like just a single sheet of paper. Right. So that happened, and the next day we have a rain delay. So I, I remember I was talking to Mike Fetters and Jesse Orozco. We were in the clubhouse, and we were just having to talk about those guys and laughing about all the stuff that they did. And lo and behold, this is back in the days when we had a pay phone in our clubhouse yeah. in spring training. There were some phone books over there. So we each grabbed one, and we were trying to see if there was a trick to it. And we were just talking for about five minutes. Nobody could get it going. But after five minutes, I got a, a few of mine started. And once you get it started, right, you can actually make a little progress. Right. So that's what I did. I, I stood up once I, I started getting it going a little bit, a quarter of the way maybe, and everybody started chanting my name. And uh, I went a little further, and I dislocated my left shoulder. <laughs> dislocated my left shoulder. So the story came out that I got so hyped up when those guys came in that I jumped up on stage with them and, and tore my throwing shoulder. So that's the way the story has come out forever. Right. It's been on the back of baseball cards. It comes out on list every time there's a, a stupid injury, whatever sport. They'll list the top ten, and I vacillate between four and seven. Right. Uh, and I'll get college college teammates, uh, minor league, major league teammates that always send me the new list, but I'm yep. always in there in the top ten uh, for that stupidity. Next day, I get sent back out down to the minor league. Uh, don't miss any time. I, I pitched with a harness the rest of the year, but it wasn't my throwing arm, but I missed a, an extra year uh, in the major leagues because of it. And did your wife look at you like you were an idiot? She did, yeah, and she still does. <laughs> we'll be married 30 years here pretty soon, and uh, things haven't changed. Now, did that have anything to do with your go- going to a knuckleball? It didn't. I'd already made that You'd already made that by change. that point. But uh, obviously it didn't help uh, matters as far as my uh, standing in, in the uh, Major League Clubhouse, especially with our manager, Phil Garner. Well, it's all turned out pretty well for you. I know you do a terrific job. I'll look forward to meeting you for the first time. You guys are in town next weekend. Sounds good. Look forward to seeing you guys. Steve, thanks for your time, as always. You got it. Okay, there you go, Steve Sparks, uh, part of the play-by-play team of the Houston Astros. He's been a guest on this show three times, always very entertaining and uh, very informative there talking about the Astros.
Uh, let's tell you, because there's not much time left for you to get. And by the way, today will be the day that uh, Ed Reed goes into the Hall of Fame. That's right. So uh, where is the, the latest edition of Press Box, which has now been on the stands about six weeks? It's a special double issue celebrating Ed Reed's upcoming induction to the Pro Football Hall of Fame today. The legendary safety detailed his odyssey from an unheralded prospect out of New Orleans to a Hall of Fame career in Baltimore and his continued commitment to both hometowns. Plus, the teammates, coaches, family members, and friends that know Ed Reed the best share their favorite stories about him ahead of his induction. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores, and you can get the the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens and the Terps and the Orioles at PressBoxOnline.com. One last reminder, join the Chesapeake Bayhawks in Annapolis tonight at 7 p.m. as they take on the New York Lizards. Arrive at four by 4.30 p.m. to attend the Lexus Tailgate Zone. Tickets start at $15. To purchase, visit thebayhawks.com slash tickets or call the ticket office at 866-99-HAWKS. Go Bayhawks. Jerry's Tire is located in Baltimore City, just steps away from Little Italy and historic Jonestown. Jerry's not only sells all the major brand tires like Bridgestone, Michelin, and Continental, but is your go-to shop for everything from oil changes to factory scheduled maintenance. All repairs are backed by a nationwide warranty. The team over at Jerry's has been serving the Baltimore area for over 62 years and are eager to earn your business. Give them a call at 410-685-4330 or visit them online at jerrystires.com to shop for tires and schedule an appointment. That's Jerry's, G-E-R-R-Y-S, tires.com. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. Join the flock as the Chesapeake Bayhawks face off against the New York Lizards for Superpowers Night on Saturday, August 3rd at 7 p.m. at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. Arrive at 4.30 p.m. to attend the Lexus Tailgate Zone featuring games, live music, and complimentary Bud Light for ticket holders 21 and up. Tickets are available and start at $15 to purchase. Visit thebayhawks.com slash tickets or call the Chesapeake Bayhawks ticket office at 866-99-HAWKS. Go Bayhawks! Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's a special double issue celebrating Ed Reed's upcoming induction into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The legendary safety detailed his odyssey from an unheralded prospect out of New Orleans, Louisiana, to a Hall of Fame career in Baltimore, and his commitment to both hometowns. Plus, the teammates, coaches, family members, and friends that know Ed Reed the best share their favorite stories about him ahead of his induction. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down, introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime, a fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hand-spun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, copper limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at Our Chick-fil-A. Nottingham Square. Plus, if you order using your app, your food will be ready when you get there. Stop by Chick-fil-A in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center at 5198 Campbell Boulevard and tell Steve we sent you. Well, we are back on the bat around and uh, broadcasting live from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. Remind you, Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer uh, will be here Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 each day. Uh, and Ross Grimsley will be on at 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning. Uh, Orioles play at home tonight at 7.05 and tomorrow. Uh, tonight is Walk with Elias yes. night, right? Yeah. Is there any chance that the Nationals acquired Rowenis Elias so that they could have a Walk with Elias night? <laughs> no? It's possible. It's possible. I wouldn't right. put it out. I wouldn't All put right. it out of the question. One oh five start time tomorrow for the Orioles. Uh, before we leave today, uh, Griffin Bass, who handles our uh, social media during the show and tweets and makes fo- Facebook uh, live uh, pronunciations, uh, you got a little info about something Tampa is talking about? Yeah, so Tampa swept uh, the Red Sox this week, meaning they won eight of nine. For in, the year Fenway. It, at yeah, Fenway Park. At Fenway Park. Yeah. And so they tweeted out like a little hype video, uh, and then they compared themselves to the 1966 Orioles, saying that they were better. And naturally, Baltimore disagrees. Okay. And they Jim had to Palmer, clap back. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody's so they're shooting upset back. That. Yeah. And, and Jim, Jim Palmer is shooting back. Yeah. And Jim Palmer recorded a little video of himself. Okay. Saying that. Uh, so now, just because the Rays swept the Red Sox. They are going to the World Series and going to win the World Series. And they're going to sweep have a, the Dodgers yeah. four games to none. They'll have a, an MVP and a, and triple, a triple crown winner. winner. All yeah, right. So he congratulates them yeah. on all that. Yeah. All right. So. That's an in, a very weird thing for the uh, Rays yeah. to tweet out. Uh, bizarre, actually. Yeah. I think they should just be happy about their accomplishment. I don't think it means they're better than the 1966 Orioles. Yeah. All right. We are, I think. We are out of time. That's right. Yeah, We're past. Pretty much. Ryan McGettigan, Griffin Bass, thank you guys for being here. We thank you for listening or watching out there. And if you have watched us on Facebook Live, it's not too late to like and share the show. That will build up the cum across the day. We appreciate it. We'll see you next Saturday morning. I know one of our guests will be the lovely and talented Alex Chapel from Madison Sports. She does the uh, sideline work on the Washington Nationals games. Craig and I will be back next Saturday. Have a great weekend, everybody.